The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material, presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. And I'm Vanessa. And uh, thank you for joining us. This is a, a new day. It's it's finally it's finally back to business for us a little bit. I had to take a, a few weeks to deal with some general bullshittery in life. I uh, included a lot of uh, boxes and moving trucks and junk like that. And uh, now we are trying to be back on schedule with everything. And once ever once the dust settled a little bit, we made a little bitty announcement and thought we'd probably better talk about it a little bit. Because the last show you heard, I recorded before all that happened and didn't get around to getting it posted, so we weren't talking about it, and I regret that. So I don't know, from the day we're recording this, I don't know how quickly it's going to get on the air, but I'll try to make sure we do this in a relatively soonish kind of time frame because we have to talk about TsunamiCon 2023. TsunamiCon 10, guys. 10. I already have tickets. 10. Um... In, in, the, in 2014, uh, well, in 2012, <laughs> we started a podcast. My friends and I got together and thought, everybody obviously is going to want to hear everything that we have to say about gaming because we're the fucking experts. Y'all sit down and shut up. And I like to hear myself talk. So we went ahead and we started this thing and it grew and it got attention and, you know, and a little notoriety and... Um, then we thought, you know, let's see if we got some local interest in our Wichita kind of coven community here, you know, click, whatever, and thought, we'll start a game day thing. Well, as I heard some other podcasts, we went to a local game store, and we hooked up with the guys at the borough, and thought, okay, let's do some game days. And fucking the ball, the, the walls couldn't hold us. It was like, it was, it was, it was uh, wall-to-wall gamers, and which was fantastic. And that lasted for a little bit and, and then started to kind of, you know, everybody got the idea, oh, we can go to game stores and game. We can do this all the time and started doing it all the time. And we weren't as special anymore, but damn it, we're still special. Uh, 2014, we decided finally we were going to launch our very first actual national gaming convention. And I think it qualifies as, the, as, a, as a national gaming convention because we had people from all over the goddamn country show up. Surprised us. More of them showed up in the following years than that first year. I mean, we did have Jim um, from California show up that first year, absolutely out of the blue. Didn't warn us he was coming. He was a listener to the show. Loved loved to listen to what we talked about. Would occasionally write in. Did not tell us even when he wrote in that he was coming to Sonoma Gun. And we uh, had a great time. We are you know our very first event. We took pictures. We got up in front of people. We did some tournament stuff. Did some cosplay stuff. And uh, basically ran, uh, rammed as many people as we could into too small a space for a weekend and uh, tried to make the best of it. The following year, in 2015, we thought we need a smidge more room to work with. So we went to the Holiday Inn in Wichita. Now, we were to go hotel the first year. Hotels, you know, frequently, you know, famously have banquet space. It's a thing, right? So, you know, the, the, the conference space and all this, it really works. The ballroom of the holiday is effing huge. We have over 10,000 square feet to work with there total, and um, we'll use it up. We'll use it up. And so that that second year, we even found out then we could use the space a little better. There's always growing pains in this kind of thing. And uh, we we did. We, uh, we, we did. We filled the space, and we got our gaming going on, and we got our vendors, and we got... You know, our special events, and we got Mikey Mason in the next room over playing Friday and Saturday night, and we had a good time. 
And uh, granted, it was a little pricey. It, it was a little pricey for us at the time. We did not have the attendance to really kind of support coming back again and again to that kind of space. But we're back again this year. And that's why I bring it up. So, you know, it, it, we've had a lot of great events over the years. We've met a lot of amazing people. The, the pandemic, of course, put the brakes on live events for a while. And it really was hard uh, on all of us. And, you know, it was hard on us as gamers. It was hard on us as friends. It, uh, it fucked up our social lives as, for those of us who had them. It uh, redefined a lot of our social energy and how we used it. Uh, gaming became something we had to adapt to new ways of doing it. And then, you know, we found our way back to some of the old ways occasionally. And that was great. But, you know, it was it was always going to be in flux at that point. When we uh, decided, you know, let's go ahead and keep doing events, we had to do it virtual, as you guys, most people listening probably know. And, uh, you know, virtual gaming was fine. It's fun. It's it's engaging. It's immersive. It's interesting. It's not the same. And it certainly doesn't have the same energy. And the only thing I really, uh, the only thing that really makes me sad about that, honestly, and this was a really big thing when I was doing this, um, these events, hosting these virtual events, because for you, if you go to a virtual game table and sit down, I mean, you're scheduled to show up at such and such a time. You go to the website, you find the links, you go to the room. You uh, get on uh, Zoom or whatever, and you show up, and you see those four or five people that you're gaming with for that three or four hours, and then you go on to whatever the next thing is, see uh, maybe a different four or five people, maybe some of the same people, whatever. A lot of you have similar interests. So it's like, imagine going to a gaming con and then not having the ability to see or engage with anybody between getting up from one game table and going to the next one. You know what I'm saying? It's a little different. It's still got most of the highlights of the experience there for you. We found ways to bring a lot of stuff into play that would keep that going. But the energy is different. The vibe is different. It doesn't feel like the collective experience. And I missed fucking socializing, which is weird. I never thought I'd be that guy. You know, I missed socializing because they're my people. I mean, they really are our people. They're people that listen to us on this show. They're people that come to events because we're hosting them. You know, these are people that have built, even if we don't go out our way to build relationships with them, they built relationships with us. And, you know, we don't necessarily bear any true responsibility for that, except Brian, of course. But we definitely need to be cognizant of how important that energy is in our lives if we want to continue to engage in this level of event. And TsunamiCon 2023 is our 10th annual convention. You count the two virtual cons we did in there. And I do, because for me, there was still a, lot, a ton of work involved. And there were still a lot of people that engaged with it, and people bought tickets, and they showed up to the event, and put their energy and their time and their love into it. It was, a, it was definitely a sizable endeavor. And uh, now that we're back in the live, meet, in meat space, it's... Uh, Something we need to make sure and focus on as a community, getting moving again, putting putting the 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 grease in the gears, putting the the fuel in the engine, and moving forward because this is an expensive fucking time to run a game con. Let me tell you, right. So the reason for all this and the reason I haven't let anybody else talk for the last five minutes except for to say their names and you know I'm very grateful for them is um, we're launching a Kickstarter. By this time, I hope to hell my Kickstarter has been approved because we hit some snags there too. Not doing anything different than in previous years, but, you know, it's been a couple years since I'd run one, so they've hit some snags. Whatever their operation is, whatever it's changed, 
Um, we're going to try to get it rolling here so that we can raise the money we need. The advantages, the pros and cons are clear. I mean, the the pro of a Kickstarter campaign is the fact that it allows us to reach more people than we than we usually do without so without that kind of leveraging. It's a social media platform. If Joe follows us on Kickstarter, supports us on Kickstarter, the 90 people that follow him on Kickstarter get a note saying Joe is supporting TsunamiCon. Oh, let's go check that out. And it just grows, right? It is a social media platform effectively, even though it's mostly just, you know, fancy shopping for us gamers. So we get out there, we show our support, we share it with the people that we know will love it and enjoy it or just want to support it because we have a target a target number we have to hit because that's the way Kickstarter works. We got to hit it or nothing happens. And I'm not saying that nothing happens meaning the convention never happens, but I am saying that it's going to make it a lot harder to make it a reality this year if I can't hit this minimum number going into it. You know, we have a lot of upfront expenses that I'm nowhere near having the money for yet. And this is where our community comes into it. And I appreciate everybody who's been a fan of the show over the years and has stayed with us and still continue to be part of what we do. I know you're there because I see the download figures and I guess you could be a bunch of bots, in which case I still love you because I'm a sucker. But I do um, I do want your support in this. Uh, it, it is hopefully up by now. By the time you're listening to this, tsunamicon.org slash Kickstarter is the quickest way to get there. I definitely recommend you stop in and check it out. If it's not there, then that will still take you to my splash page, page that explains why you should be excited about the Kickstarter when it eventually happens. <laughs> but I'll be really sad if it's not going by now. So please do. And uh, support us for SonamiCon 2023. Uh, that's happening October 20th, 21st, 22nd. It's going to be... Uh, <laughs> Richard's going for the calendar. Is that right? 20, 21st, 22nd. Uh, it's going to be at the Wichita Holiday Inn East, I-35. It's the one at Kellogg and Rock Road, if you know Wichita. It's pretty easy to find. It's a nice hotel. Uh, we've done events there before. Right now, what I'm able to afford is the ballroom and lobby area that we were using for all the gaming uh, events and for the um, vendors. And then I've got a room set aside that's big enough. We used it before as an auditorium for Mikey and for any events we can do in our entertainment block or any panels or anything like that. I've reserved it for one day so far for the weekend. I'm hoping to have another day at least because <laughs> Mikey usually does two shows for us and that's a big deal for me. But it's a lot of money. And so I need to see if we can raise the money to do more than that. Um, yeah, just uh, be ready to support it and be part of it. And we appreciate it. Uh, VIG tickets have been on sale for a little bit. I'll be shutting off all the current sales for boosts and everything once the Kickstarter is approved. And then I want to funnel all that energy into the Kickstarter to make sure we hit our numbers. So, uh, and then you'll be able to buy normal tickets. If all you want is a badge for the con, if that's all you need, consider some t-shirts or something too if you want to. But if that's all you need is a badge, you can buy a badge. Add extra badges on top of it and do all that stuff. It'll be available. So, oh, I have my uh, panelists with me today. I have co-hosts. How weird. Did we just get through with a game or something? That is so strange. <laughs> it's so staged. Just, just a little. Nonsense. Just a little Nonsense. I'm a professional. I never uh -oh. stage anything. Course not. I don't like to sound rehearsed. Um, no, it's uh, we had it actually a really, I, th I think, pretty good game. We've been yeah. we've been struggling to kind of keep a schedule on this one because you know life. 
but uh, we've kind of get to that point now where we can roughly do it about every other weekend. I'm good with that. I think I can deal with that. I'm actually one of those every week kind of guys when it comes to gaming. I like a, a game that's happening frequently enough that the story's fresh in your mind and the energy's there and yeah. characters are fresh in your mind and you have the ability to continue focusing on their development and less so where were we last time? But uh, but it's a good group. It's an easy uh, easy game, I think, to get into. We've been experimenting with Fantasy Grounds in this one, so there's been a lot to kind of talk about and kind of focusing on the operation of the game because it's all new to, to me and uh, to some of the other players and relatively new to others. And I mean, it wasn't new to Brian, but he hadn't really gotten a chance to play with it. He just got a chance to tinker with it a bunch. Um, but uh, John, is, John is in the game with us, and he's pretty fluent with it, which has helped a lot too. He's had more practice, especially with Savage Worlds, which is what we're running right now. In fact... Brian, I kind of forgotten how much you hadn't gotten to play Savage Worlds over the years. <laughs> yeah, no, this is pretty much my first time playing it. This is uh, you, you did actually. I have proof. You did actually play a couple sessions in the past, but long time ago. Yeah, and and it was a different edition of the game, and it was a long time ago. You wouldn't have had a chance to kind of grasp much what was going on, much much less kind of get a great a handle on the rules. But I've got sessions that your voice is on on the actual play <laughs> series. For Project Z, our very first actual play series. Oh yeah, when you were the very the first two sessions. You played the Marshall. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so. I didn't. I didn't care for uh, the rule set then, but uh, the more we play it now, uh, I, don't, I, I like it better. Between the two, Suede made a lot of great improvements. Just really little did. tweaks that made big improvements. Little Tweaks is right, too. I mean, a lot of it, if you're looking at it from the outside, you, the game may not look a lot different. You'll see things here and there where they've changed a system in some dramatic way, but not usually in a way that makes it very different from what it was before, just in a more efficient approach. They made the skills make more sense. But the yeah, efficiency a lot of it. really matters. Yeah. Well, and I think, I feel, as a gamer, I feel that I've kind of grown, because when we did that, you know, I was just, we did that, what in the middle of the 3.5 D and D 3.5 days, and um, uh, three, yeah, or fourth edition, so fourth edition. Yeah, yeah, but we were still playing 3.5. We were still playing. <laughs> yeah, we were still playing 3.5. Most people were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good call. Uh, good but point. you know, I was a huge 3.5 crunch fan and all that. And uh, you know, when we got into the Savage Worlds, I just didn't. I felt it was so rules light, and I didn't care for it. Whereas now, uh, I feel I, I like all sorts of different systems. That's a good point. I think um, I I remember being kind of right where right there with you at one point, just a f several years ahead of you, because we were doing the podcast, and with the podcast became this kind of open door awareness to so many other game systems because we wanted to discuss role playing as an art form and kind of divorce it a little bit from the system because we were all D and D people that were on the show. That was our bread and butter, and had been the majority of what I'd done my entire gaming career. I mean, there had been branches here and there, especially in the 90s, the White Wolf era and things like that. I mean, there have been riffs and um, I mean, what else? There were other games we played, a little hero system, you know, other games we played back in the day. But then when, um, especially when, you know, third edition came out and the, the D20 glut, it kind of opened the door for us to try all these different styles of games and genres and stuff without ever having to break away from the D20 game rules which at the time felt like a godsend, right? It's like, oh, it's D&D, &D, only now we get to do it with modern people. And uh, now we get to play Call of Cthulhu with... Boy, that was a travesty and a half. 
Uh, they, it was oh, the, the story was great, mind you. Brian ran those games; those were a blast. But uh, in deference, I think to me at the time, Brian was like, "Okay, we'll do your D twenty Call of Cthulhu." Because I was like, "I don't know that I, I didn't. I've never loved the the Call of Cthulhu game system." By the way, it's never personally been one of my favorite systems. But, I would love to play more Call of Cthulhu. It's funny uh, you yeah. mentioned because we yeah we ran that D twenty Call of Cthulhu. And since then, I've become familiar with their system, and I actually I like it better than the D20 Call of Cthulhu. But like you said, the the stories are the same; it's just the rules are different. Well, and D20 doesn't I mean didn't support that kind of tone of game as well. No, you got then, the one as, book, and that was it. As well as the system that, by the way, was designed with it in mind, <laughs> designed to support it. And there are other games that you can do. I mean, because you can do any kind of genre with a lot of different games. We're Savage Worlds you know, fans, and we can do a lot with that. And there are, like, even Cthulhu ports out there for Savage Worlds. But it's a different type of game. There it's, are. Uh, I have it's, one of them. It's not hard to do a horror game with Savage Worlds. I do it every, apparently every campaign I run. But it is... Um, different it doesn't create the same tone um, and i think part of that reason for that is because at its core the fast furious fun motif of savage worlds is a lot pulpier is a lot more exciting if you try to take back some of those things that create excitement and instead try to replace them with things that are more insular like a lot of horror mechanics then you lose a lot of the f- the flash and luster that makes savage worlds fun yeah so, I-, I would agree yeah. i mean I, I think you could probably do a fun, like, Pulp Cthulhu game with it, maybe, like you said. But, uh, you know, the coolest thing I like about the, since we've been playing in Fantasy Grounds and everything, is the, the exploding dice, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's swinging, and anything can fucking happen at any time without you really knowing what's about to happen. Yeah. Well, and, and it's exciting. It's, it's, it's exciting, especially you were talking about the difference between, you know, gaming at a table and gaming on a virtual tabletop. And for whatever reason, that ex- those exploding dice uh, in Fantasy Grounds just, I don't know, it's exciting. When, when the program rolls the dice, it, you know, my attention is to the chat box in the lower left-hand corner of the screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where the dice are bouncing wanna, around like real, yeah, their animations are great. I want to see how many dice are going to bounce around and if it's going to explode and... You know, if we get and watching numbers. dice to where they like almost, and then they like roll over to the next number and shit. Right. They did a great oh, job on them. Man, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many times I watch exactly those d sixes, and I'm like, stop at the six, stop at the six. Oh, fives. Oh, both of them fives. <laughs> like I saw the six. <laughs> I saw a die got cocked uh, at one point today. The Nero rolled, and it's when it when it hadn't accepted it as the six, and it rolled another die to explode on it. I was like, oh, so happy <laughs> about that. Yeah, I they saw did a that good same job one. on that. But yeah, uh, you know, Fantasy Grounds has definitely uh, been a cool experience. I've been uh, excited to see how it's affected gameplay for us a little bit, a little bit at the table here online. And um, I know it's been a little bit of a slog at times, and I appreciate everybody's patience with me as I try to get the mechanics down from the DMs uh, from the behind the screen position because there's a lot going on, a lot to keep track of. And fortunately, I've got a lot of screen real estate to work with. I could use two or three more monitors, I think, if I wanted to run it. <laughs> In fact, with Fantasy Grounds, I don't think there's any limit to how much space I could use on my screen right. <laughs> to effectively Six, manage this game. You're- you're constrained Six to the main inch program monitors. window, but I guess you could like <laughs> expand it across all the screens. I, if I let you, yeah, I, 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 you know, why not? Like, um, you know that there's that um, there's that scene in Swordfish where he's like he's like brings him in and shows him like the computers he'd be working on. It's got like these this ring of like six or eight monitors. Right. It's like, yeah. dude, that's what I that's what I need right there to run my games. Or I mean, 
just something like that. Something that gives me all that real estate because um, I'll cover it, you know. And I always have like the one screen where I'm using my PDFs and shit. And I'm like, I've got like split windows going with my, my rule books or my adventure material and my notes and shit. And then over here, the other screens are all spread out. A little bit of my cameras from Zoom. <laughs> a little sliver of cameras so I can see my players. And then a whole bunch of stretched square screen. But I feel like uh, everybody's getting the hang of it, you know, fairly quickly. I mean, the, the sessions are picking up and going quicker as far as combats and just the use of the program. And uh, my daughter joined us today. And uh, anybody that's gamed with Nira knows that she's uh, very adept um, at, you know, uh, ad- adapting to the game space and is um, really good at immersing herself in character and story and role playing above and beyond her understanding of what's happening as far as the mechanics and everything. As a, as a game master, she's had a lot of practice with that, where she was learning games almost at the same time as she was running them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it, I knew it was going to slow things down a little bit, and yet it really didn't a lot. I mean, you know, and you guys are great at explaining things, especially if I'm busy doing something else, which is one of the charms of uh, Fantasy Grounds is with all the automation, it can do a lot of the shit while I'm focusing on other things on my screen, which is nice. But um, but yeah, yeah, and we're doing uh, <laughs> Jason just reacted to this today, didn't he? We're doing War of the Burning Sky, which, you know, uh, we may have talked a bit on the show about back in the early days of Metagame Anonymous, because we were doing we were this the same campaign I was running back then with a group that never got to finish it. Um, with now iconic characters in our particular group. And uh, so like just today, because uh, Jason hasn't been gaming with us, you know, Jason from my original original cast, guys here, hasn't been gaming with us the past couple of years. Um, he doesn't like the virtual gaming as much. So he hasn't been doing the role-playing stuff with us online. And uh, so he, it just kind of hit him up, upside the head today that, you know, that Rich said something about doing Burning Sky. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> Hang on, I need details. That's just that. I need deets. It's like, hmm, where? Let's see, where are we? And you guys are a good like seven, eight, nine sessions in, and uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been a good story so far. You guys are doing great. I'm gonna we've, kill you. We've all. changed out people. <laughs> we've changed out. Changed out. I feel players, like it would be harder to kill me because I'm flying a lot. Oh no, that makes you acceptance. an easier target. You know how that works, right? High ground is a You know, ranged weapons only have to hit on a four. Yeah, I know. <laughs> High ground only matters in Joust. High ground. <laughs> <laughs> the original Flappy Bird. Yep. Oh, that true. game is so frustrating. It's one word for it. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I saw the Super Mario movie when it came out. Did the kids just see it? It's like, oh my god! So, so many flashbacks, you know, so many references, so so many Easter eggs. Such a fun movie. Way better than a Super Mario Brothers movie had any right to be. Um, Yeah, I mean, as long as it's better than the old ones, it doesn't take much. Yeah. Oh my god! What? Why'd you have to bring that up? You brought up the Super Mario movies. (laughs) We should do that one for Expo. The old Super Mario Brothers movie. I want to see if it's as bad as I remember it. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. Five, I can't say it. Three and a half stars. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I am um, minus uh, two. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited about this game, though. I think this is great. So we had a game yeah. day yesterday. Uh, by we, I mean you, because I, I wasn't there. Uh, I don't think Brian was there. No, I was but, not. You got it put together. <laughs> Brian's like, there's sunshine outside. <laughs> uh, 
I was born in the same. I didn't even play in the same game this year. Outside, not even once. Outside, we were both in different games in both sessions all day. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, it's almost getting to the point where you could both do that and still play. You know, not well. I I was going to say something like cheeky, like you could both play Savage Worlds games the whole time. Almost true nowadays. Almost. We we did both play Savage Worlds games. You played Fate. Yeah. Worlds of the Night. Who ran, who ran the Fate game? I played that, Savage World. Was that uh, uh, Kurt? Kurt? Kurt ran Fate. Yeah, we did a, a good old World War II uh, Cthulhu Elder God type. Not Cthulhu specifically, but basically kind of ancient style. gods and, and Nazis because that's how that works. Hey, so. you, never, you never got to feel bad about beating up Nazis and ancient gods. You know? True. No, they go hand in hand. They work They work really well together. I've seen the I've seen the Union cards. So, um, it was the, I mean, it was that, that was an afternoon game, right? Is that early in the day or is that later in the day? Yeah, earlier, earlier Early in the day. day. That was my, was my early game. And, uh, it was, it's just so crazy because one of my, one of my friends and coworkers was there and, um, we're sitting there and he's playing this, uh, occult specialist. And I'm, I'm someone who is more of just a, the spy, but I have, I've seen things. I've done things. Um, I know there are things darker out there than Nazis that absolutely need to be protected against, which is why I was all in on this mission to stop the Nazis from getting a hold of whatever they were trying to do with this ancient the MacGuffin, right? lore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so here we are. You know, we're at the end, and the big bad's coming at us and coming out of the out of the pit that was created because spell words were said, and. Uh, <laughs> And I look at him and I'm like, no, you are not doing this to me again. You almost had the world taken over by the Yellow King. I'm not having you do this now on this one. <laughs> Throw that nice. thing in the pit. He ended up throwing himself in the pit with it. I was like, okay, fine, that works. Because <laughs> he I didn't want to let go of the again. power. Um, so, uh, do you, uh, do you feel like fate is really, I mean, do you really enjoy the game the same way? I mean, I know it's, when it, it's been when a little it's while run by someone who gets how it runs and I'm not that guy. It's really fun to play because it brings out, you have your things you can do and those are brought out and you can explore it when you're in a game where it's like a monster of the week type feel, and and it does really well with that, and uh, it and it, it gives you, it gives you a lot of control of the narrative still, and I enjoy that, but with reasonable limits. Uh, your fate points being the big thing on how you can get that to how you can get that to work out, but you get to squeeze things in. I didn't get to use my espionage character to the fullest thing. We ended up doing more combat than espionage, so sure. But uh, well, you know, we did what we did. I always wanted to get better at it. You know, it, it just it I just need practice. And every yeah. time I because it's so few far between when I experiment with the system, every time we go into it, there's so much shit I have to refresh myself on. I and I never have grasped some of the concepts right. You know, yeah. Because the biggest thing is you have you have your boons and you have your things, and and you have all these things that get activated that you can call on. You can call on to give you a better advantage, or the GM can call on to give themselves a better advantage. And it's knowing, remembering to put those out there and make those happen. 
and then doing it in a way that just feeds into the story. Uh, Kurt does a great job of it. I, I cannot say that enough. And uh, I, I always enjoy Fate with him. But yeah, it it's a fun game for that because it really gives you that, that superhero power in a very um, authoritative way. Savage Worlds yeah. does that great too. Savage Worlds just gets to play into the whole cinematic swingy bits. Right, where Fate is a little more constructive. You uh, you have a lot more influence over what specifically is going to, what direction specifically things are going to go. Right, but it's got better it's structure than Powered by the Apocalypse, which gives you a lot of great actions to do, but doesn't give you as much freedom, I think. I feel, yeah, uh, in I my think, opinion. I think one of the really good reasons for that is that Fate is built, where if you're a very improvisational game master, you're going to have a lot of strength in it. Yeah. You know, if you can if you can ride the wave of what's happening in the narrative and respond and come up with ways to engage it moment by moment. And um I, I'm too much I'm I'm too much a trad GM. I've had too many years of having of having to plan things out so much. You know, I'm actually not a bad improvisational GM. I just don't feel confident a lot of the time. We've we fought a minotaur. I'm just saying. We're we're in Crete. <laughs> Fighting nice. a minotaur in the middle of a mountain. Nice. <laughs> and trying not to let the Nazis win. <laughs> okay, wait, wait a second. Uh, Cthulhu, Hitler, and Minotaur. Well, it wasn't. Cthulhu was a feel. Okay. So it was it was it was a Decretian bull gods, I guess. Whatever. Anyways, so and of course to add joy to it, um, when we when we got rid of the Minotaur and we found the, where they were trying to summon the big god, the older the older god, um, it was actually not not Cthulhuism specifically. It was more of an old Greek god, and um, so it was basically a cow, but it did have a lot of tentacles. Um, so that's, I kept referring to it at that point as a, as a tentacow. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, we were, we almost lost the entire world. <laughs> but, like you, uh, you know, we, we saved the day. We, we killed the, the Woot. bad guys. Oh, Yay, combate. Yay. Vanessa, what was your afternoon game? You were with Peter in his, yeah, uh, I was, I was with Peter in his Savage Worlds game. We were, it's a, trying to figure out and investigate sources on a story for the Fountain of Youth in the Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Is this like a pulp era or more modern? It was modern? the 1880s. 1880s? Oh, like Victorian, <laughs> like yeah. later. All right, in America's, I guess, they're really yeah. the same. But It'd be like Wild West and stuff. Wild West, yeah, Old West, that, that era. I, I really enjoy... It's a funny thing. I've never been a huge Western fan in terms of genre. It's it never spoke to me when I was younger. I was never a big cowboys, you know, fan. Well, you know, even living in the Midwest, no. Um, <laughs> I I was, but I never I never got into that much as a kid. I just uh, it, I mean I'm sure that when I was really young, I vaguely remember watching like you know, Lone Ranger and stuff like that. But um, but not not that it spoke to me any more than anything else did. You know, uh, as, as I got older, it's not a genre that ever really stuck to me very much. And I think part of that is is very easily how I landed in entrenched in like Dungeons and Dragons because fantasy did speak to me in a way that it didn't, and it's it's kind of like it's it's it parallels it in a lot of interesting ways, particularly as an American, uh, because a lot of like the European values in the fantasy, as we've talked on the show before a long time ago are very different, you know, and even though a lot of what we think of as fantasy at this point classically is inspired and informed by, you know, Tolkien, 
there's a, a definite kind of change in how a game like Dungeons and Dragons came about because Tolkien's stories were still a lot about um, brotherhood, whereas uh, the Western pan- fan- the Western power fantasy is the core of the D&D mechanic. So role-playing games, the way we play them, are about how awesome am I? You know, they're about my struggle against these odds and coming out on top, goddammit, because I'm an American, right? I will goddamn bomb you. There's a a definite um, distinction between that and the feel of the Old West, but we still glorify some of the same tenets, and I find that interesting because the the adventurers that we play in D&D are, you know, they're they're offshoots of the heroes who, who fought insurmountable odds to throw the ring in the volcano or to help their friend throw the ring in the volcano, right? Or they're, um, you know, Conan and his dealing with these powerful sorcerous sort of wicked villains and sneaking around in old temples and shit. Or they're Fawford and the Grey Mouser and pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and stealing people blind. There was all these um, great models of fantasy that D&D was built on and, 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 a, and a dozen more on top of that, right? That, that kind of got us where we are. And all these great examples in fantasy fiction over the years, first in books and then in television, comic books and you know, movies and all this stuff. But at, at its root, the, power fan, the Western power fantasy still has the same basic problem. And the Old West is a better exemplification of it in a lot of ways because growing up in Dodge City fucking Kansas, <laughs> there is no way you can escape it. We glorified the outlaw. We glorified the Billy the Kid, you know, the Dalton gang, the guys who, I mean, you could go check out their hideout <laughs> you know, down the street. Um, gunfights every weekend at noon. Gunfights at the fucking boot hill. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. There was a no shortage of glorifying the rough and tumble kind of old west where the frontier was your enemy and everybody was fighting against, it was out for themselves, right? And the lawman was a man standing against, you know, everything, right? Was like a figure who stood for something right and was going to go after it no matter what. But he was dealing with an enemy that, well, in its own way, was this classic archetype that we also glorified. So, I don't know why I never got into it. <laughs> it's got to be the trappings. It's got to be the trappings. You know, I just, and, and, and living in Dodge City didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> living in western Kansas yeah. did not help. And Wichita's not that far removed from that. Wichita was an old cow town too. You know, um it's just uh it's just part of the idiom now. It's just like, you know. Before we castles. were air capital, we were cow town, yes. <laughs> yeah, well yeah, before the airplane. <laughs> you know, um I I enjoyed uh I enjoyed my time in Wichita, not not just the friends and stuff. I liked the town a lot. I you know, I'm not saying I was sad to go after sixteen years. Particularly when I moved to the mountains, which, sorry to say, guys, <laughs> the air is so much nicer here. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Uh, um, and you guys are welcome to come to Colorado Springs. I'll run as many games as you like while you're here. Hand yeah, but it's so expensive out there. <laughs> come for a week. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just saying. Air bonds aren't that bad. Lots of other things to see out there. It's true. Absolutely true. Um, but our gaming community is, is, is quartered in Wichita and I don't regret that in the least. And it's a bit of a drive for me, but absolutely worth it, you know, to come back for stuff. I, I wish I could have been there for game day though. I'm sure Peter had a great time. He always oh, yeah. runs good games. Yeah. You know, 
Um, he was excited about this one ahead of time. You know, he, he always calls me to tell me about what he's gotten planned. And then he calls me a few weeks later to tell me about how it went. And now he'll listen to this show after it drops and tell me about everything we didn't mention. <laughs> and uh, love you, Peter. Oh, yeah, I, Appreciate I to, it. I got and, to deck out one of the BBs. It was great. Fantastic. <laughs> um, he does. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, his, his, uh, his love for his genres of choice, you know, is very, um, very particular. You oh, know? yeah. So the kinds of games he runs, he runs really well, and it's because he really, uh, really enjoys them. Obviously, the that that kind of old Western kind of time period, Victorian time period, up through the pulp era and into like, um, what the, all the Man from Uncle stuff is more is is it more like uh, 60s, 50s, 60s kind of era? I don't know. He does a lot of stuff that uh, you know uh, fits a certain kind. Well, he's of, got he's got a modern era run a 1940s run and an 1880s run with different characters that are all kind of in the same universe same, same yeah 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 and he's told it's, me about a lot Peter of verse i haven't gotten to <laughs> i have not gotten to uh play in very many of his games i've only gotten to play actually in one um ironically and that was when we went to gen con <laughs> it's like i had to go all the way to indianapolis biggest gaming convention in the country to play in Peter's game. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so what was going on in the evening? You guys were doing other stuff in the evening then. Uh, Richard, uh, you did a Savage Rolls in the evening then. I, I did. I played under uh, John. Um, oh, yeah, he was running Holler. Speaking of John, um, the other John who used to play with us came by and said hi while we yeah. were there. It was oh. awesome seeing him. Yeah. I've been ages. always wondering about him. I have not seen him in a long time. Yeah, no, he came in. And said hi, but anyways, yeah, no, we played in Holler uh, under under the other John, <laughs> the GM John. What a game to us today! Um, yeah. And oh yeah, and that was in Savage Worlds, and that setting uh, is so it, for it, being it, the intro setting is really well done, and I, I the world seems really interesting, and it's just this crazy thing where it's like. We're in the real world modern day, but <laughs> our characters are in a little bubble universe that because it's trapped, it's ran like company town where, you know, everybody is is working for the company and, you know, the company owns everything. So they pay you your paycheck. You pay them back for rent. You pay them back for supplies. You pay them back for food and you have nothing. Um, and there's no way the out. App- the Appalachian type yeah. of setting, or yeah, like West yeah, Virginia, uh, isn't it? I yes, I had to. Well, it's Appalachian, West Virginia would be about right. Um, but yeah, no, I had to work uh, last night to try to get the accent back out so that I wasn't playing my monk this morning entirely in a West Virginian accent because <laughs> I got it just got thick. We were all doing it by the end of the session. That's awesome. <laughs> um, a holler sounds yeah, interesting, it, but I'm not. I'm not was, sure if I'd love it. But. No, well, okay. The way it, it was even built, like the story was built to get you introduced to the concepts of of Savage Worlds, and you could see that because it started out with, "We're going to do this thing, and we get to know each other. We're going to do this. We're going to do this," and it built the world up, and we're we're basically. Um, going to investigate this stuff. We're like sneaking around outside of what we're supposed to be doing with our own jobs to figure out things and make things right. And you could tell that there's a path progression 
where you eventually overthrow whatever the evil is, hopefully, um, that is keeping this bubble universe and trapping these people as basically um, effectively capitalist slaves. Uh, and uh, it really seems like a good story, and I would love to go through that. Yeah, maybe it's something I need to look into. That's, I didn't know that I stuff about it. That's interesting. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, believe me, I wished I recorded it because it there's a lot going on in it, and it was it. Yeah. What about your evening game, Vanessa? Uh, my evening game, we played Dragon's Bane. This is it's a its own setting, its own rule system. Uh, Tad was the one that that ran that one, and it was interesting. I played a mallard knight, so I was a duck. <laughs> Like an anthropomorphic duck? Yes, in oh. plate mail. <laughs> nice. And we because had why a, not? Yeah, of course, why not? We had a, a halfling rogue in the party. We had human wizard and, let's see, one of the options was like a wolf man, but I don't think anyone picked that one, and I don't remember what the other character was. <laughs> we, had, we had a lot going on. <laughs> but we were trying to investigate in a uh, ruin, effectively, and we were trying to get treasure out of the ruin, and we found out that a bunch of goblins had gone in, and goblins were allied with the orcs, so the orcs were, from what I understood, the orcs were commanding the goblins to go in and try to loot, and the goblins were just getting obliterated by the stuff in there. Nice. Like, it was bad. <laughs> now, Dragonbane is its own its own, its own own game. Is, is it got a, a simpler rule set, or is it... it it's a fairly simple. It's a roll, roll low thing. So of course, my my friend that was playing in here, uh, Kenneth, was playing with Richard in his first game. All he could roll was twenties, which were crit fails. Oh, nice! <laughs> oh, look, I'm rolling so well. <laughs> his dice yeah. were trained. And they just they weren't working out. As I'd say, he he has a history of just rolling absolutely terribly, and up until about eh, nine p.m. It was just crit fail after crit fail after crit fail at about 9 o'clock rolls around, and then he could do no wrong. Well, nice. <laughs> My guys suddenly figured me, out I'm... they needed to fuck me for me to win. Yeah. Exactly. Meanwhile, you have me. I'm the only character that has any armor, but I also have an ability where I can force the enemy to focus on me instead of other people. Sure. So I'm just trying to get between the enemy and other people. I don't really care if I hit him. I just want him to not hit other people. Because <laughs> nothing could ruffle your feathers. Oh, everything could ruffle my feathers. I was ill-tempered. It was great. Made it even more fun to play. I love playing angry people. So you were a duck, duck tank. Yeah, I was a duck tank. <laughs> Woo. <checking>. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Lame. Um, I know they had... Um, I know they had some like miniature gaming there yesterday. They had like uh, uh, the Star Wars... Or Star Wars. Wars. Goddamn. Middle Earth. Lord, the other franchise, Lord of the Rings, sorry. yeah. The the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, strategy battle stuff there. I really mm-hmm. want to try that out sometime. I keep telling Sarah I want to check it out. And like every place I've been where it's going on, I've been working. Womp so womp. there's you know, been no opportunity to. But uh, I think really it looks very accessible as miniatures games go. It's it's cheaper to get into. Um, there's a strong community for it in, in Wichita. There's, I guess, strong communities for it in a lot of places. Of course, it having the branding of Lord of the Rings doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt you know. Um, and being kind of fun because his group, they do all this terrain and all these painting, and he always brings out such cool stuff. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I will say, before we get too far off of it, Dragonbane does have a quick start guide off of Drive Through RPG that I've already downloaded. I'll link, <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. yeah, sure. I'll link, link it yeah. in the show notes. Um, 
Well, guys, I, I'm glad. It sounded like everybody had a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, again, sad that I couldn't be there, and it's a little challenging because it's nice to organize everything from here and get it rolling. I think I'm going to I'm gonna try to do another one late summer. Oh, good, so, good. Um, People are asking. Yeah. Um, I, I just need to get with Derek and kind of, you know, at the borough, kind of figure out the best timing on everything. But uh, right. Eli and I both have birthdays right around mid-August, and so we love trying to do a game day like the weekend around our birthday so we can, like, get a cake and kind of, you know, play with that and be fun. Um, plus, you know, an excuse to get her down there to hang out because the lady has turned out to be very busy. That's why she's dropped out of this <laughs> Wait, game. Get, that we getting were you both into right. Wichita at the same time? What? That would be impossible. I don't want to keep us too long this evening. Everybody's got other shit going on. Uh, but I really appreciate uh, you guys taking time to game with uh, game game with me today. I, I know the schedule's been kind of like hit and miss lately. And now that you guys are out of tax season and I've gotten moved, it's going to get easier, hopefully. But we will uh, figure it out and uh, try to. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure and get that. Thanks for the link on those, Vanessa. Yep. Appreciate it in the chat. Um, try to get uh, everything ready for uh, upcoming game sessions and try to get TsunamiCon promotional stuff ready to roll because. That Kickstarter is going to take a lot of focus, and I'm just hoping, 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 hoping that uh, everybody's going to get engaged and turn out for it. We've had so many people excited every year, and every year I hear from new people. We've got new vendors already signed up this year, which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, a lot of our, of course, a lot of our favorite vendors are returning. And uh, Alicia's going to buy a booth again, too. And Jonica will make it this year. She's uh, got a little more autonomy now that (laughs) her job situation has changed. And so uh, she's going to make it down this year for the uh, uh, for uh, TsunamiCon, and we're going to set her in a booth right out in the lobby, kind of across from registration to the side, and Alicia's going to be right beside her with her dice. Yay! So I know that. And, uh, you know, Andrew's, of course, already bought his booth. Uh, Warehouse 34 will be there, and, uh, you know, um, Thornwood Designs with the dice boxes. And um, uh, several of the people that we had there last year were good. Uh, I know... Um, I know that the uh, 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 William, I think, does the Supernatural Hunter. Um, yeah, yeah, the role playing game was there. Last I keep night. needing to try that one. Do you, do you know uh, if he had many, had many people show up to, to play it last night? Or I don't know. Uh, I know they had a lot of people that were showing up and signing up day of, so I'm sure that he had yeah, people show always. up. <laughs> good, good, good. Because uh, he really, um, he's really excited to get out there in the local community and, and get this game in front of people, and he's got a really nice. Uh, nicely produced game. I and own I, so I many of the books now. <laughs> so when are you going to start running it, man? Yeah. No. You know, you know, when are you going to start, when you gonna start run running them. that Airbender game we've been talking I about? I know. It's like, mm. I need to read the books. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> waiting with anguish. And we're having to break from our regular um, Tuesday night thing for about a month because uh, Ken's kid has like T-ball or some shit. <laughs> and so um kids i'm running a running a it's like i'm running a savage worlds game right for the next four weeks so that we can do some more let's have eric run a horror game or in other words a game as Richard pointed <laughs> out. and oh, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> that's going to be fun too i'm looking forward to talking about that one a little bit yes because yeah, we're starting that one this week I, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you're really messing with you guys. Yeah, and Nero will be joining that. And it's oh, been that's fun. Right. The, the fun thing we're about having Nero move up here is she's in our games. <laughs> she's in all our games again. I remember. Um, I'm an engineer. You're an engineer I'm in an space. Engineer. I'm a maintenance worker. You have an engineer, a maintenance worker, and a janitor. 
in space to a bar on an asteroid. It'll <laughs> be fun. It might be a horror game. We're so not wait all day. I don't feel bad about that. I got four weeks to kill you guys, so you could I could toy with you for three. It's not a problem. <laughs> okay, right. so I will what find a way to make the, the radio so that everybody will hear us scream. We're the mouse. <laughs> I've got stuff I'm looking forward to talking about. We're gonna try to get a schedule going here a little more regularly with this. Um, one question I was gonna uh, I'll save it for next time. I'll write it down, save it for next time. Because I, I was kind of wondering about it today. I mean, maybe I'll bring it up. The there was a point when we were running the combat, and um, it occurs to me I do a lot of descriptive stuff during combat where I will talk about what just happened. You know, and sometimes I'll shift to somebody else's perspective and say, "Hey, you know, such and such did this, did this, and this happened just right in front of you." And it's kind of a setup, you know. It's kind of like lobbing a softball in front of them to go, you know, "Hey, uh, when you swing at this, swing with confidence," right? But there, there's also an element of how that descriptive context for everything is part of the um, creative process. Is that, you know, I like a cinematic game. I like um, being able to visualize things that happen. I didn't realize until recently, and it really hit me today for some reason, because we were struggling, and we weren't struggling with the combats, but you know, there were some things about you know, with the interface that still slow us down. And I was, I was trying to figure out, when I am describing things, pretty much 100% of the time, it's all third-person perspective to me. It's really a lot like looking through the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not playing a character. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a game master, I'm the everywhere and nowhere guy. I'm the director sitting behind the camera pointing at it, trying to get the best shots. Whereas as a player, your principal concern is the actions of your character. How much, A, do you visualize what you do at the table? What's happening at the table? Not just what you do, but what is happening completely. And two... Do you do any or and or all of that from your character's perspective, or is it a third party perspective? I, I'm not into first person shooters to begin with. I play video games in third party perspective. That's how I see the table. I'm still seeing it, whether I'm seeing minis or I'm seeing the the view of what the what's happening. It's always from that third person perspective, and the camera shifts to get the best angle for whatever's happening in the combat. Same. Because um, I want to see my character doing the thing. I'm not doing the thing. Um, it's dangerous. There's pointy things. Um, and fire. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to be right there. But no, I, I like that. And, and I've, I've always enjoyed when the small recap, because it helps make sure that we're on the same page. Because in our heads, there's... Four people playing, one person running. There are five different movies. And it's nicer if the movies are closer to the same one (laughs) rather than completely different movies. Well, and I mean, inevitably, everybody's perspective is going to be radically different than everybody else's. It is. It is. If you had a way. All the characters are recast. If you. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. If you had a way to look at the scene through everybody's individual imagination particle, we know they wouldn't they, they wouldn't share a lot of detail. In fact, there would probably be so much disparity that it would be impossible to actually really juxtapose these constructs on top of each other. Because mm-hmm. the room looks different or the 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 space looks different, the tools look different. The people look different. Everything is its own. So, and some and and the way we think um, holistically, 
doesn't always actually involve a lot of overall detail. No. You know, in my experience, it's uncommon to imagine a scene, like if I'm reading a book, for example, imagine a scene in realistic detail. You focus on the little things that draw your attention at any given second that you're yeah. moving along. That's well, different than watching a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's different than watching a movie where the whole thing is laid in front of you and everybody's sharing basically the same view of things, right? Yeah. You know, it's in it's in it's in black and white or well, you know, hopefully I I don't do a lot of black and white. You know what I mean? But the uh process of playing a game totally in the imagination where you're all sharing a a role in the experience and the experience is holistically something everybody is involved in knowing that nobody has the same view is kind of mind-boggling. But normal. It's <laughs> so fucking normal, right? Yeah. Um it doesn't feel like it as much in today's media-soaked world because we share so much media now that gives it to us rather than requiring us to engage our imagination to get there. But D gaming, role-playing, I was about to say D&D, but obviously role-playing games, um, are a very specific area where that is still a strong element of the experience and um, absolutely necessary. I mean, and I, I say absolutely, but I mean, obviously you can play these games without bothering, you know. I'm not actually imagining anything other than, oh, you say that's a minotaur. So, yeah, that's a that's a bull guy with horns. I got, the, yeah, you know, so that's somewhere in my head. And then, oh, you know, I'm swinging a sword. So, you know, I'm, I, I can I can picture the swinging a sword thing, you know. I can and picture me rolling a die and trying to get over this number. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine if that's, if that's what you want, you know. I swear that's how some people play, but that's a whole other story. What about you, Brian? <laughs> I see it in third person usually. I mean... I think it depends on the game and the character and how invested I feel in the character. You know, a lot of different things. But for the most part, it's usually third person, you know. And I think, you know, for me, when 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 everything's syncing up and the game is kicking, it's like, you know, I treat it like when I'm reading a book. You know, even though I might be sit at a table with a bunch of other people or if I'm at a virtual tabletop, I've got my headphones on. But when, you know, I can close my eyes or keep my eyes open and the room melts away and I can see the scene in my mind and visualize everything, uh, that that's what works for me. And for the most part, it's usually like I'm watching my own personalized movie. Right, right. I know Jason always said it was animated for him. That is, <laughs> that is not, mine is not a cartoon. Not, not <laughs> usually. <mine> <laughs> uh, I couldn't, I couldn't. Mine has comedic oh. moments sometimes, like, you know, if someone does something funny at a table, you have the comedian, the type of player that's a comedian, you know, I, that incorporates into it. A lot of my, a lot of my games have, you know, a lot of those movies could probably be classified as, uh, you know, comedies a la like Guardians of the Galaxy type sort of thing. <laughs> right. Action comedy. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, I get, I mean, and, and uh, Richard's, Richard and you both have a very sort of uh, comedic bent to your, your timing and your presentation and what you enjoy out of engaging with people. And so, so you look for the laughs and that, that comes through and obviously um, the way you experience gaming and probably the way you want to experience gaming from moment to moment a lot of times. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I... I'm not as funny a person, but... I, I enjoy games that have a... Com and not like slapstick, but, you know, when you have funny moments and, and comedic yeah. moments, it, it it's great. But at the same token, like you said, I, I, I enjoy a good horror game and uh, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, for the most part, it comes across as uh, 
third person, the third person camera, occasionally first person, but uh, it really just depends on the scene and what's going on. I think there are times when I want to make it more personalized, um, when I want to make it more engage, engage it more to your personal experience in some way, make it more real. I will describe things in a way that feel very much like a first person description. Like, um, you know, well, you're it's kind of like well, when I was like things like, well, everything's a little blurry. And like when you look at your hands, they, they, this thing seems something seems wrong. And, you know, things that make it very much about your sensory input. Right. I, th- I think make you share that as a character. I think there's a certain like you said, you, it's finding the right level to describe everything. The right level. Like you don't want for me. I don't want a Robert Jordan level of detail. <laughs> on, now, would everybody mind sitting here for a while, for for maybe like two or three minutes while I describe right, the you know, dress? Yeah. As you enter the inn, you see the barmaid. She's wearing a long fuchsia dress, <laughs> complete with many sequins of multi multi colors from the seed Afra. pearls. Don't forget yeah. the seed pearls. Yeah, highlighting <laughs> her bosoms. Don't forget the, that. From the from the Nyathro region, known for its famous wines, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, but what you're saying is you've read some Jordan. <laughs> but you you get the yeah. You, know, you don't want it to be too long, but you want it to be. You also don't want it to be. You know, Gallstaff. You enter a ten by ten room. There's an orc here. You can attack now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait, but is the orc actually look like he's ready to attack, or is he look like he's upset, or just minding his own business? Now that's our players. Leave that out I, of it. I need his motivation. <laughs> What's my motivation? Attacking me? Like, do I need to attack him? Let me look at my sheet. Do I speak orcish? Maybe I can start a conversation. He looks lonely. <laughs> Does he have a pie? Suddenly, I'm very hungry, and he's standing in my way. I do love orc pork pie. Oh Wait. lordy! Like you know, the 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 scene from our pre our game this evening that sticks out most is the part with the uh oh the spirit dagger out of the door. <laughs> yeah, the very beginning of the game. I like yeah. that. The part that sticks out the most today is the very first thing that happened. Everything since then, Eric, was complete bop. <laughs> no, just that's the scene that stuck most in my mind. Yo, we're all sitting there trying to fight this. Your mind, I was out. running from it. <laughs> you tried to fight it. Having an that, encounter. by the way, was why that, by the way, was why I didn't feel bad about giving you something you couldn't stop or hurt because I knew the simple expedient of outrunning it was well within your power. So all you had to do was oh decide to just get away. <laughs> my from the monk can run like eight inches and that's i mean he his normal speed is eight inches and he can run with a d10 die so he can he walk can, eight inches he can, he can run walk eight inches he can run another d10 further. and yeah he's if, got if you're not a savage world player that may sound a little funny but that's like 40 feet an inch around. is like two yards yeah you know in my mind the way that scene hell happened was Faltoran looked at the door with confidence, gave it a strong kick with his foot, and then was completely taken off balance and, and, and aback when a ghostly dagger came swinging out of the door at him. And the rest of us tried to do heroic things like grab onto it or stop it. But And I know that's what was supposed to be going on in the scene, but like I said, in my mind, I kind of got the impression it's like, have you seen that video on the internet where a chipmunk gets into somebody's house or a squirrel or whatever? Where, you know, like, ah, you know because like everybody yes. was just flailing and running and... <laughs> 
and, and over a then small... I ended up running away. And you yeah. guys are like, just let me run away because you knew and, it wasn't going to catch me. And I'm screaming at you to jump in the the river next to, to you know. And you're like, it's not a bee. It's not a bee. Not a bee. If I if I got in the river, I would have moved slower, and then it would have got me. So that um, was great role playing, though, too. The fact that yeah. it was so off the cuff. Oh, you know? oh, and then the weirdest timing. I decide I'm going to like try to run past it to get back into the building. Maybe I could shut the door and keep it out or something like that. And uh, and as I'm running by, I'm like, okay, I know I shouldn't have kicked the door. I feel bad. I should not have kicked this random door. I'm a monk. I should behave better. I should I should not be letting my anger win. And so I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm sorry I kicked the door. I apologize. I know I should be better. And then it went away, and I'm like, so now my monk's going to be in this state where he's like, okay, this was a sign. I need to control my anger. He doesn't even have anger. He just kicked the door because he was trying to surprise whatever was in there. He didn't have anger issues. You know, uh, I wanted to say, too, um, Brian, I, I find it interesting when, I, when I'm reviewing characters and kind of thinking about the way we can kind of play, play with their stories. Your character, Galt, because you have had so many um, so many times over the years, you've played characters who were just just a shade uh, not serious. And even when you play a serious character, you usually find a way to make them not serious. <laughs> <laughs> not, that you, not that you weren't taking them seriously or they didn't have serious stories, my but you always find them. My name is Talun Miller, and this is my fucking boomstick. <laughs> yeah, right. It's called a Staff of the Magi. Fuck with us too much, and I blow us all to oblivion. Watch me break it. I'll do it. <laughs> but uh, Galt is not a funny character. No. no he's and when you told him to jump in the river, <laughs> and his response, that was such a great setup. <laughs> and I was just like, that is so classic. You know, with I mean, and, and because he is, he's not necessarily a straight man, but he's definitely got a deadpan quality to him. Impressive, <laughs> but sorcery, sorcery. <laughs> you know, I just came up with that on the fly too. Well, you know, the thing and with, it really the, was the thing it's with so Galt. The, the thing with Galt is, you know, I haven't, I haven't, you know, done any gaming for many, many years. And uh, honestly, when I was getting back into it with you guys. I, you know, you're right. I, I used to develop, you know, very long backstories for my career. You can ask Eric. I, I had a, a monk that I wrote pages and pages of backstory, developed a whole religion for, you mm -hmm. know, massive amounts of stuff. And then when I wanted to do this, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, God, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do for inspiration. I don't have any ideas. And so I was like, well, I'll just play an amnesiac that way. Uh, when they're like, what's your backstory? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so very much, he was just kind of a rules, you know, not very much on paper, not much, very much to him. But as we, as I've gotten to know the people in the group and as we've gotten to uh, know each other in real life and, uh, you know, as the game has progressed, uh, I'm adding more and more character to him and that he's kind of mm -hmm. a development. But I did want him to be, you know, and I don't know if it's just as I'm getting older, but I, you know, you know I didn't want to create a 20-something-year-old adventurer. I created someone who was in his 40s, who wakes right. up every day now and hurts. <laughs> you know, and, things things ache right. differently. You know, he's getting older. He's, you know, you know and I after like the a way combat, the he wants took. to sit down and take a break. He's like, I gotta, I gotta sit. 
the, the approach <laughs> the, the approach you took to the character too really felt realistic in that in that way you know it felt like it still made sense for him to be doing what he's doing with these people doing it with the the motives that drive him but you also even in in the even in the sense that when we were sitting down talking about it and you were like well I just don't really have a plan for him he, let's just say he doesn't remember we also made decisions at that time about what that might mean because yeah. it wasn't he's an amnesiac so I don't have to come up with anything no. it was he doesn't remember but he has some dark shit in his background yeah yeah i mean he was a soldier and you know we decided you know that he had probably been on the wrong side of the, the of a conflict and had probably done some pretty bad stuff you know in the name of well i was just following orders mm-hmm. uh, and then you know something happened he washes up on the side of a river he's taken in by some people some nice people from the order of the aquan cross uh you know that's his only new sort of you know it's kind of like you know he's reborn again almost he's not a he's not a a, a, a fanatic or anything but but you know he's a, he doesn't remember things but he obviously has a sense that he has something to atone for yeah in life. yeah like he wants to try to Whether do the right thing because he know he disturbing did a lot of bad. dreams or just hints of memory or a feeling that things haven't been right and that he needs to find a way to make it right and I feel that that drive is interesting because it you you play it in a way a very understated way at this point but and, it will give us a lot of room to to roll with it in the campaign. And after this session, I've decided he has a mistrust of magic, a la, like, you know, Conan. <laughs> Sorcery. Sorcery. And an appreciation. Sorcery! <laughs> <laughs> Cast a buff on his weapon. <laughs> like, does it glow a little Sorcery. bit? Oh, yeah. Sorcery! <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. They're trying to take my weapon! <laughs> well, mis- mistrust is one thing. It doesn't have to be played to the, to, to the ridiculous degree, obviously, right. so... Um, yeah, he's a fun character. I think he's a cool character. Uh, curious to see how he develops and where you decide to go with him because, uh, you know, the fun thing about developing characters at the start of a campaign is you don't have to stick with anything about who they are. They can always become somebody new in the process of experiencing the adventure and <laughs> growing with the story. It's also a different character for me above and beyond the backstory and stuff, but uh, I usually play spellcasters. I usually yeah. want to play the most complicated. I try to find a system, and I'm like, I want to play the most complicated class that they've got. Uh, whereas Complete opposite this, of me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, since this is the first time I've been playing in a game in a long time, I was like, I'm just going to pick a standard fighter. Those things are pretty pretty easy to drive and put that on autopilot sort of thing. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm leaning into it. I don't, on my, my combat actions, I'm like, I'm going to hit it with my sword. <laughs> Yeah, but com- uh, combats are fun in this game. Yeah. I'm going to hit it with my sword can still result in a hundred different things. Yeah, and, and that's, like you said, like I said, that's one of the fun things with Savage Worlds is it's not just a, all right, I rolled my d20, oh, I missed, all right, it's your turn. You know, there, there's a lot of different things you can do, the addition of the adventure cards. There's, it's a cool system. Yep, and you guys need to remember to watch your powers and stuff, the talents that your characters have, and make sure you incorporate them, you know, keep them in mind. Well... Uh, I really will let everybody go this time. I, I, just, I know I, I tangented off there, but I um, need to kind of shut down. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you would uh, like to add anything to the conversation, anything you'd like to say, uh, anything you'd like to uh, have us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us a line, feedback at prismaticsunami.com. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Or you can drop by our Discord server and talk to us there. 
we do try to keep an eye on it. And uh, as we head into con season, it'll get a little more active anyway. So we'll we'll definitely be on. Uh, I noticed uh, some conversation. Well, I was actually part of it. I had some conversation going on yesterday. It, it had been a week or two since I'd even looked at it because of everything going on. So that was kind of exciting. But appreciate everybody out there that's helping drive this thing and uh, supporting everything that we do. That's huge. Um, I'm going to do my best to uh, keep the faith of you and make uh, everything we do shine as much as possible and help you make your games and our games all better all the time. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening, guys. Appreciate you. Appreciate you being with me today to game. Appreciate you being with me this evening to, to podcast, cast pods. And uh, we'll do this again sometime soonish. Sound good? A good idea? Sound good? Sound cool? Yeah. 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 Indeed so. Good? Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to episode number 289. 289, I can say it. Maddie Gamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. And I'm Vanessa. Good night, everyone.